Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And we are back here on the Boots on the Ground pod alongside Ben Conroy, IMS Exayer. Ben, it was quite the weekend for Wake Forest basketball. I know you were there at the Jewel on Saturday. Very exciting to be there. I'm sure Wake Forest finding a way to win. I mean, in the last, so in the second half, the last time Wake Forest led, 10 minutes, 55 seconds left on the clock. They go down by five points to begin the overtime period. Still find a way to win a basketball game against a very, very good Miami team. Your thoughts? I mean, you were the one who was there, so I, I, I'll kick this to you first. Yeah, well, first of all, I just, you know, I, I, I tweeted this out right after the game. Just what a spectacular college basketball game this was, both to, to be there in person. I felt, you know, incredibly fortunate to be there. And, you know, it was one of the, we were talking about before the game, just what a, how, how well these teams match up to each other and what a great game that we thought it was going to be. And it delivered in absolutely every sense. And as for the general atmosphere, you know, the students unfortunately were not on campus for this one week is still in their holiday break right now. But even so there was, you know, the, basically the entire lower bowl was filled and had some, you know, a, a scattering of fans up in the, the upper deck as well. So, but a, you know, a very rowdy crowd, a great atmosphere for a Saturday home game. The, the crowd delivered Hunter Salas said after the game that, uh, you know, he he credits a big part of the team's success at home to to the to the atmosphere and the fans and all that. But yeah, what I thought it was just a, an incredibly resilient performance by this Wake Forest team. You know, they they weathered the storm against this. You know, no pun intended against this Hurricanes team. Miami starts out hot, hits three threes in a row to start the game. Cam Hildreth answers with a barrage of his own, sort of goes nuclear there. That was that was really fun to watch in person. Is there in person as well? Team was hyped up about it. And then the second half, things sort of Wake Forest got out of their rhythm a little bit. Their offense didn't look as smooth. They they cooled down a little bit from the field. You know, that that shot at the end of regulation was I from my angle, I was watching, you know, from directly behind the other hoop. I thought it was going down. I thought Matthew Cleveland's jump shot from the elbow was going to go down and, and Wake was going to lose a heartbreaker, but it rattles out and then overtime starts. And like you said, before you know it, Wake's down five again, and then they rip off an eight overrun of their own and then Hunter Salas responds from sort of a rough second half and drills that three from the corner and Wake earns their, you know, their best win of the season um, against, like you said, a very, very talented Miami team. Um, it was a, a very fun game to be there for. And, you know, one of the national criticisms for this, for this Wake Forest team was that they haven't truly been tested yet. You know, they're played a lot of Q4s and they're non-con and, um, you know, Virginia Tech is a good team, not a great team. Boston College is a good team, not a great team. Miami is, you know, in most camps, a consensus NCAA tournament team to get that win is, is huge for this team and this program. I think. Absolutely. It, I like the point that you made about it being kind of the, the win, the game that tested wake force. I mean, Boston college was a test going up to Boston 
is a test and one Wake Forest passed, but to beat Miami in a game like that against an offense like that is a test that the point I kind of made previously is a test that I'm not sure a previous Wake Forest team in this era passes. And so you had made the point, Ben, about the resiliency. I mean, I had mentioned earlier about the, you know, last leading with 1055 left in the second coming back in, in the overtime period. One of the things that I want to talk about in, in terms of resiliency is the shot that Hunter Salas made late in the game to really change the tide, that three pointer with 25 seconds left for Wake Forest to take it from a one point Deacons lead to a four point Deacons lead. And for me, it felt, I mean, incredibly similar to the shot I saw go in from Andrew Carr in, in Chestnut Hill just under a week ago. And the the trust factor that was there. I we, We've talked ad nauseum, and I know Steve Forbes talks about it. I, I've mentioned it a lot as well, the maturity of the Wake Forest basketball team this year. To I know Hunter Salas had a big day, but shooting-wise wasn't necessarily his best effort, but the trust to go kick that ball to Hunter Salas and he just absolutely knocks it down, drills it with 25 seconds left to ice that game away for Wake Forest. It's the same thing with Andrew Carr, where he didn't make that, he hadn't made a shot in Boston and then hits that three pointer to also ice the game against the Eagles. There's there's something with this team, whether the, the makeup of the team. I mean, there's the talent, absolutely. I think this team is incredibly talented, but there's that just extra something. And I think it's the maturity factor, that resiliency that they're showing in games, the trust in each other, I think the love for each other. And that 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 grouping has come together so well that I I think it, it lends itself to to how Wake Forest is winning these games and how they're on a nine game winning streak, how they're three and zero in the ACC for the first time in over a decade. It, I I think it's the perfect combination of, of players, coaches, what have you. That right now Wake Forest is just a really really well put together team. Yeah, absolutely. And you know I'm glad you brought up that point about the similarity between Hunter Salas's shot and Andrew Carr's shot you know, uh, up in Boston, because that was something that was brought up in the postgame press conference after the game. Um, a couple other reporters made that distinction and, and you know, brought it up. And, um, you know, the, the the players are are happy to talk about that, too. They, they bring it up all the time. You know, I I asked Boopy Miller what it was like to to play in a backcourt where everybody is contributing, you know, equally and, and sharing the ball and playing with so much energy. The backcourt combined for 68 points and, you know, Boopy Miller just said, you know, we give each other energy. We feed off each other in practice. You know, we share the ball a ton. Um, we have different strengths. You know, we just need to keep making the right play every time we get the ball and the rest will take care of itself. And then Hunter Salas was asked about that shot, you know, about not having the best second half. As he said, at one point he missed seven consecutive field goals, was really struggling, but he was asked about, you know, the team having that confidence in him to make that shot. And he just said, that's just because Cam Hildreth made these. He said, that's just Cam trusting in me. Cam would trust me to hit that shot, even if I had missed 10 in a row. So that speaks to exactly what you said, that this team is just, you know, that they truly do believe in each other. They, they believe that they're, they are the right group to bring Wake Forest basketball back to where it needs to be. Andrew Carr, again, you know, really didn't look comfortable that entire Boston college game. But when the time came for his number to be called, there was no hesitation from the other guys on the floor. He was in the right spot at the right time. He made the play. Same thing. Hunter Salas, didn't have his best day from the field, was in the right spot at the right time and made the play. And, you know, just from being able to watch that in person, it was a really cool moment. It was right in front of the Wake Forest bench. 
he hit that shot and then sort of, you know, obviously the rest of the team went crazy. It was a really cool, like freeze frame moment for me to see from the media section because the angle, it was just like, it looked, you know, the shot looked good off his hand the whole way. And then that was, that was sort of when you realized like, wow, wake got this done despite all the adversity they went through in the second half, despite giving up some late offensive rebounds, late struggling on the offensive boards a little bit. Uh, they got the job done. They found a way. And this, this group has yes, a ton of talent, but also, I think this again speaks to Steve Forbes's ability to recruit outstanding culture fits as well as, you know, next level talent in the portal because, you know, Hunter Salas is, you know, a next level talent that was sort of buried on the bench at Gonzaga. You know, he he's coming here and he's playing incredibly well, playing basketball at an incredibly high level, but, you know, less than half of the way into his first ACC season, he, you know, he's talking about these other guys on the team like they've played together their whole lives, which I think speaks a lot to the potential of this Wake Forest team to make noise in conference play and beyond. And the fact that they were able to get a win against this Miami team that, you know, went 10 for 21 from three. It's not like they had, a you know, an off offensive night. They struggle a little bit at first. But by and large, this this Miami team didn't, you know, play a bad game. They came to play and Wake Forest was able to overcome that adversity and get a really, really important win that sort of, I think, sets the tone for getting into the thick of conference play. The tone has certainly been set, Ben, for sure. Looking at some individual performances, I know we talked about Hunter Salas. He finished the day 7 for 21 from the field and 2 for 9 from behind three-point range. He was he was really jacking up a few of, the, few of those, but you know the one that went down, one of the two that went down was debatably the most important shot of the game. Finished the game with 18 points. At the top of the, the leaderboard in the scoring column for Wake Forest, another clinical, impressive performance from Boopy Miller. 27 points, 10 to 19, 3 for 3 from three-point range, and one of them was another really, really big shot for way for us. So let's, let's kick it off with him, Ben, just an, another incredible performance from Boopy Miller. Yeah. You know, one of the things that obviously Boopy is electrifying to watch on TV, but one of the things that, um, that really sticks out when you watch him in person, is just what a tight handle he has on the basketball and, you know, the way he's able to navigate the lane and play with his head up and play fast, but still play under control, I think is, you know, just speaks to his talent as a point guard and, and as a good fit for this team. Cause late in the game, it was Boopy Miller bringing the ball up the court. He had the ball in his hands. The offense was running through him. You know, he, he played 38 minutes was barely, you know, had to be out there was a guy that had to be out there, especially and had to shoulder more of the offensive load when Hunter Salas didn't necessarily have his best stuff all night long. And yeah, just that, uh, Efton Reed is so good on the offensive glass and he, he grabbed seven huge offensive rebounds, but specifically the three that you were talking about was he, instead of he, he had the chance to get the offensive rebound, but instead of pulling it down, he just slapped it right back out to Boopy Miller, no hesitation, a couple feet behind the line and just straight money to, to give Wake Forest the lead in overtime. And then they, you know, didn't surrender the lead after that. So again, yeah, this was a win that was a culmination of a lot of guys making big plays and big moments. That's what it takes to beat a Miami team like this. But yeah, I mean, Boopy Miller was to, in my eyes, he played, you know, as close to a flawless game of basketball as you can play when you have, when the, when the stakes are that high and you're asked, you know, to shoulder that much of the offensive responsibility, no major mistakes, stayed out of foul trouble for the most part. Um, you know, we've talked, we've talked all year long about, you know, Hunter Salas gets a ton of attention on this team and, as he should, but Boopy Miller really is kind of what drives this Wake Forest offense. He has to be out there. He, 
you know, is an outstanding ball handler, can beat a full court press by himself. And then, you know, as was shown today, he made a lot of really big contested two pointers in this game and has the ability, to, you know, has that that X factor range and the ability to make a game clinching play. You talked about the three, Ben. I, I don't know if you could tell from the media section, but on that three that Efton tipped back, it was a three that went pushed the game from from a tie ball game to, to Wake Forest up by three. Boopy made that shot well from the logo. I mean, it was Steph Curry plus. Yeah. And when I, I'm telling you, I mean, I was I was watching the game from from home, and Boopy wasn't just like back of the heel on the logo. He was on the logo. It was unbelievable. He and there was no hesitation. Like that ball hit his hands and it was immediately up. That was insane. Yeah, I just think that speaks again to this team's, you know, confidence in themselves. And, you know, that that is Boopy Miller has hit that shot all year long. That is well within his arsenal. So it's the, you know, this team not not shying away from the big moments, having the confidence to play their brand of basketball, no matter how, you know, tight the game is. Obviously, that's about that's about as closely contested as a game can be tied in overtime and no hesitation to just play their brand of basketball and, and get the job done as a result. And thinking about threes. A player who a year ago, two years ago, when he first started on campus at Wake Forest, threes were really not part of, as you would say, the arsenal. Cam Hildreth was not a big three-point shooter. All five of his makes from the field against Miami from three-point range. Went five for 15 on the day, five of nine from three-point for 23 points. And you're asking, where did all those other points come from? He was nails from the free throw line down the stretch. Eight of eight from the charity stripe and several of them coming at critical times Two in overtime. I know there were some at the end of the game. I mean, the last two points to the, what tied the game at 73 to send the ball game to overtime. Those were made by Cam Hildreth. So not only exceptional three point shooting really felt like he was on it against Miami from behind the three point line, but the, those free throws as well, Cam, another display of leadership for for wake and it's utilizing a part of his game that is new and now other teams very much so having to prepare for the fact that cam hildreth can't just isn't just going to drive down the the lane on you every time and try and back into the hoop he might take the ball and pull up from behind the arc plain and simple uh wake forest does not win this game without cam hildreth's performance um you know like you said at the end of regulation wake forest is down 73 to 71 Cam Hildreth gets fouled, goes to the line. Also, just a side note, I thought Cam Hildreth did not get a kind whistle during this game. I thought he got hacked a couple of times, driving down the lane, didn't get the calls, didn't really let that deter him. He gets fouled. He goes to the line, not on a shooting foul, but on a one-and-one, one, and then drains both of them. Tie game. Wake Forest gets a stop, heads to overtime. And then, you know, before, like I said earlier, before they can blink, they go down five. And then Andrew Carr gets fouled, goes to the line for a one-and-one. Makes the first, misses the second. Way gets an offensive rebound. Cam Hildreth fouled. Another two big free throws to you know get Wake Forest back within striking distance. And yes, of course, at the beginning of the game, he was completely unconscious from beyond the arc. That was also incredibly fun to watch. You know, Cam Hildreth was taking heat checks seven minutes into this game because he you know he made a couple really big threes early on in the possession. And again, embracing this new part of his game, saying, "Hey, you know, if you're an opposing team." that's getting ready to face up against Wake Forest, you have to respect Cam Hildreth from the three-point line now, which I don't think is something a lot of teams are anticipating having to do coming into the year. But he's really made a huge jump in that part of his game. He's shooting with a lot of confidence. 
clearly he sent you know crowd went absolutely nuts in the first half after Cam Hildreth went on that run. Um, but yeah, you know, I thought I think Cam Hildreth in general has adjusted very, very well to sort of his new role within this offense. Last year, a lot of the times with how thin Wake Force was at guard, the offense kind of had to be run through Cam Hildreth. He had to be the primary ball handler a lot alongside Tyree Appleby. Um, that's not really his necessarily role anymore. Um, Boopy Miller sort of handles that primary ball handler role. But Cam Hildreth is still finding a way to score and be effective and contribute in some massive ways. And he is, you know, a critical part of this backcourt. Had a huge game. You know, didn't have the greatest game from the field, but, you know, five of nine from three-point range is something that, like you said, I'm not sure was possible in his game, you know, two years ago last year. So, yeah, and, uh, you know, just another another testament to a veteran player, a returning player for Wake Forest, just sort of being that culture example and that leader and that leadership and, you know, sort of demonstrating that clutch gene late in games. I mean, nobody really had a good day from the field except Boopy, but still, Wake Forest finding a way to get the job done. Looking at some of the other things from the game, I mean, it's it's one of Wake Forest's biggest traits, you could say, is the ability to put together the run and just a few instances of that throughout the game that were really, really important. I mean, the eight, the 18, three run that started three minutes into the ball game puts wake Forest from being down seven in an early, early hole against a good Miami team. It's exactly what we talked about that you did not want to do. And wake Forest finds itself or finds a way to dig itself out of the hole, jump in front front to as much as eight, and then in the second half, you get a 7-0 run in overtime after trailing by five in the overtime period, eight straight points by Wake Forest. The ability, the ability, sorry, to, to manufacture these runs is one of Wake Forest's most important abilities as a team. It again, we talk about all these things that you you don't win this game without this, without this player, this thing happening. Wake Forest's ability to get stops on defense and score the ball at will to put together these runs is what has been getting it wins in the past and has certainly contributed heavily to their ability to beat the Hurricanes on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, Jim Laranega talked after the game, or I think it was Steve Forbes actually, you know, talks about how Wake and Miami do share some similarities in terms of a team and in terms of how they play. Miami is also that way where they can just go on you know, a 15, 20 point run in the blink of an eye and sort of just bear you. And, you know, Miami started the game very hot. They, you saw right away that, you know, these, these Miami guards are no joke. They can shoot, they can shoot off the dribble. They can, you know, shoot off the catch. They can, they can bury you on offense and wake responded very, very well and sort of set that tone right away by going on that run saying, Hey, you know, you're not, you're not going to beat us that way. You're not going to beat us by going on one run. We're more resilient than that. We're going to we're going to scratch and claw and make this thing a game. And that's exactly what they did. And again, it's just like this Wake Forest team, I think, is different in than teams in previous years in that they can win in a lot of different ways. They can I think they showed a little bit against Boston College that they can win sort of ugly. Didn't have a great, you know, first half on the road, clawed back. And even against Miami, like you said, none, nobody necessarily, aside from Boopy, had their best night from the field, but they were able to limit Miami's production enough, held them to just 73 points in regulation, were able to sort of scrap on the offensive glass. Efton Reed didn't have a good night, but he had 11 huge rebounds. 
so you know this this Wake Forest team can win in a lot of different ways, and they I think they're they're creative and they're you know multifaceted in the way they can they can play and the way they can finish games. And I thought honestly that was on full display against Miami. Two other b- points before we move on from this Miami game, Ben. First one we kind of touched on a little bit earlier, but I, it, it's something that I've harped on a lot. And so now that Wake Forest has started to change its ways a little bit, I want to give equal attention positively is the rebounding and specifically the offensive rebounding. So Wake Forest out rebounds Miami 43 to 40 on the day. But if you go even deeper in that, and I know you talked about the offensive rebounds, but 18 to 12 on the offensive boards, and you could tell exactly where it was having a positive impact when Wake Forest was doing it well and where it was hurting Wake when they were struggling both on the offensive boards and defending their own. At the beginning of the overtime period, there were a couple Miami offensive boards that really, really hurt Wake Forest. And it was something that I had tweeted out before the overtime period started. I had pontificated that Wake Forest or whomever wins the game is going to do so because of how they perform on the boards. And I really just thought the way these teams were matching up that making extra possessions was going to be critical. And so it mattered for Miami earlier. I think it directly contributed to that 5-0 start to open the overtime period. And then Wake Forest turns it to another level once they go on that 8-0 run. You have several offensive boards, most notably, I believe it was two offensive rebounds on that possession to kick it out to Boopy Miller for the three. I mean, Wake Forest really started to rack up the offensive possessions, get the or offensive rebounds, getting themselves extra possessions. I think that directly impacted Wake Forest's ability to win that game. And it's not just the overtime period. I think you look at it throughout. The fact that this team, how they were playing on the boards a few months ago, that they were able to rack up 18 offensive rebounds and out-rebound a team like Miami is a testament to the growth of Wake Forest. And I know it's Efton Reed, like the Efton Reed factor, absolutely. But I've said it many times before. I'll say it many times again. It's not just Efton. I think it is an entire team coming together with a, a composed and complete focus on this one particular thing. And I think the the focus on the rebounds is incredibly impactful. Yeah, I mean, every possession counts for this Wake Forest team. Last year, Wake Forest lost seven games by exactly two points. And if that doesn't illuminate for you how important every single possession in a college basketball game is, then I don't know what will. The last time that Wake Forest played Miami, they lost by two points in the quarterfinals of the ACC tournament. So, yeah, Wake Forest, you know, the one, if you want to look at the downside of, you know, Wake's rebounding is that Miami had 24 second chance points. Obviously, that is something that you don't want to repeat and allow to continuously happen. But Steve Forbes talked about that after the game. He's like, I know that the late offensive rebounding for Miami hurt us, but we had 18 offensive rebounds of our own. And even though they, they stumbled a couple of times, allowing those offensive rebounds, they were able to respond on the other end, which is, you know, a sort of depth of this team that they didn't necessarily have earlier in the season, in seasons previous. So yeah, I think you, you, the whole team is, is banding together and the, the guards are doing their part to rebound down. Steve Forbes talks a lot about that. And yes, adding a, of course, adding a guy like Efton Reed in the mix is invaluable. Jim Laranega said after the game, he only had, you know, two points, but I, I felt like the stretches that were easiest to win for our team was when Efton Reed was not out there. 
So, and I thought also Evan Reed navigated the late stages of that game very well, despite being in foul trouble, was able to stay out there on the court throughout that overtime period, which I thought was very important. But yes, this now, this Wake Forest team, I've said this before, now has the ability to win games because of their rebounding instead of just despite their rebounding. I think you saw a perfect example of that against Miami. I'm glad you mentioned the foul trouble because that leads us into my final discussion point on this game is that Wake Forest did get into foul trouble. You had Hunter Salas getting into foul trouble early, getting those three fouls. You have Efton Reed getting to four and having to manage that. Cam had three. It was a pretty, especially in the first half and at points in the, the second, a threat of the game where Wake Forest had to deal with those foul calls. And so I, it, they were... I mean, a lot of calls were getting called or a lot of fouls rather were getting called on Wake Forest, maybe not necessarily getting them on their own end. And I I'm not usually one to try and, and you know, talk about this a lot, you, the, the refs and, and their performances, but an interesting performance to say, nonetheless, I think both teams probably not super pleased with the performance. And I don't know if you knew this, Ben, or if anyone listening to the show uh, knew this, but ACC commissioner Jim Phillips was in the crowd on Saturday and had to watch not a particularly good umpiring performance from the referees. And so that was all I could think about was that it was a it was an ump show and they had the ACC commissioner in the house to watch it. So probably not not the best time to have that kind of performance from the referees. But moving on from that point, just I think it was a maybe not in a game like Miami where that game was so tooth and nail, but a good experience for Wake Forest to have that you have to manage these situations. You have to manage Hunter Salas getting three fouls before halftime. You have to manage Efton playing with four. You have to manage Cam Hildreth with three. Like managing some of those fouls and understanding how to rotate the bench. I mean, that's something on the coaches. That's something on the players, knowing how they need to handle themselves on the court. I think that's an experience that needs to be had, especially with the the aspirations of where Wake Forest wants to go. It likely will not be the last time they have this experience this season. And so having that in their back pocket and knowing how to deal with it and then how to win the game regardless is important in my mind. Yeah, I mean, I talked I talked a lot about there was a lot of adversity for Wake Forest in this game. A lot of adversity for both teams, you know. Uh, for Miami, Norchad O'Meara got banged up a little bit. Nigel Pack went down with an injury for a, a brief period of time. You know, both guys were thankfully able to, to come back in and continue the game. But, you know, that's just kind of how basketball in the ACC goes. The game itself is going to beat you up, you know, especially when you're playing a high-quality opponent like Miami, sort of those adversity – those moments of adversity shine a little bit brighter and can have a little bit bigger of an impact on the game. Like you said, you had some of your main guys in foul trouble. Efton Reed had to sit out key minutes, and then Zach Keller came in and I thought, you know, played very, very well and gave some quality minutes against against Norchad O'Meara down in the post. And then you had guys like Parker Fredrickson came in, hit some big shots off the bench. There was one point in the first half where he came, I you know, <laughs> speaks to his ability as a pure shooter because he checked in and then not 10 seconds later, the out of bounds play got called for him and he drilled a three from the corner. That kid can shoot it. That kid can flat out shoot the ball. But that kind of speaks also to the point you made earlier about this next man up mentality, about this team's ability to trust each other and whoever is out there, there is a way to get the job done and they believe in themselves to find it. And so, you know, it was 
a very encouraging game to watch from that perspective to see that when they face their arguably their most quality opponent of the season, things went south in some regards in the second half. The team found a way to persevere despite falling behind in overtime, despite having to sit their key players in key stretches of the game, despite you know giving up some some key buckets in the offensive boards. The team responded and you know eventually was able to prevail. Wake Forest for the first time in over a decade, three and zero in the ACC. They're on a nine-game winning streak, going to Tallahassee to play Florida State next. Before we get to that in the complexion of this season and how much things have turned around, people are starting to talk. Conversations are starting to happen, Ben. And it's something that we kind of discussed. It was the title of our episode a long, long time ago. This team could be some fun. And we're starting to see the fun of this basketball team, but we're also starting to wrap our heads around certain possible realities. And those realities are that the makeup of this team is now that Wake Forest can contend in the ACC, that there's a possible ability to make a run in the ACC tournament and possibly win an ACC tournament on the table. There is an appearance in the NCAA tournament for the first time since 2017 on the table. Those conversations are starting to happen. People are starting to talk. And so I think it's time we have to start talking about it too on here is it is no longer just an interior Winston-Salem discussion that this team might be good. There are people that are recognizing the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. I saw a, a poll that had them in the top 25 today. I saw from CBS in their 25 plus one that Wake Forest slotted in at number 26 in the country. There is starting to be that recognition that this Wake Forest team might be the real deal. And so I think we just have to say, Ben, like we have to kind of talk about now, it's it's starting to get on the table there, Ben. Yeah, I mean, I think anyone who has watched this team consistently can see that the pieces are there to do something special, something that Wake Forest has not done since Steve Forbes has been at the helm, which is to go back to the NCAA tournament. If you think about what what components a team needs to have to be successful in postseason play, in conference tournaments, and you know eventually in the NCAA tournament, Wake Forest has those elements. They have outstanding guard play. That is what something that has historically helped, you know, teams win in March. They have a big man in Efton Reed who is an elite rim protector, an elite rebrander, and is, I think, finding his own, you know, here and there on the offensive end as well. They have the, you know, they are working to patch the, you know, sort of the glitches in the software that prevented them from winning those big games in the past, which is they're more engaged defensively consistently now. We've talked about it. They're doing a better job on the offensive boards. And so far this year, once they once Efton Reed has been eligible and once they've sort of been playing with a full deck of cards, they have passed every test that's been put in front of them. So personally, I am very, very excited for them to face the Clemsons, the North Carolinas, the Dukes of the ACC, just to sort of see what happens and see what we got. Because right now, I think I don't think any anyone would say, oh, Wake's going to go and play at Carolina and get blown out. Wake's going to go play at Duke and get blown out. I think the consensus is those games are going to be competitive and Wake might even surprise you and steal one. Yeah, I can't wait to see when when Wake Forest goes to the Dean Dome in a few weeks when they go down to Cameron later this season. I think now more than ever, those are chances. Those are chances to, to prove something without a doubt. Looking ahead now, next game, finally, I was so, so bummed to not be in the crowd against Miami on Saturday. That one 
that one hurt, especially given the result. I will be down in Tallahassee on Tuesday for, for Wake Forest versus Florida State at the Donald L. Tucker Center. Wake Forest taking on the Seminoles. And Ben, I was writing my preview today, which will, will come out tomorrow when y'all are listening to this on Blogger So Dear. Florida State is a very, very funky basketball team. Like it is, I think in my prediction, I opened by saying it is really hard to understand this Florida State basketball team right now. They beat a, t- a really solid team in Colorado in late November, but nonetheless, they're number 32 in Kempom. They beat them on a neutral court. But Florida State has also lost to South Florida, which is barely cracking the top 150 on a neutral court. And even just eight days ago, lost to Lipscomb, the number 146 team in Kempom, at home by three. It's a funky, I mean, I use the word funky, but I'm, I'm trying to find other ones. A really weird basketball team to understand. They're eight and six on the season. They've had competitive wins. They've also had competitive losses. Wake Forest lost to Georgia. So did Florida State, but just by two points. They were competitive against an SMU team. They beat Georgia Tech and Virginia Tech both back to back. They are the past two ACC games, they have both won after losing to North Carolina by just eight in Chapel Hill. Like understanding this Florida State basketball team is not very easy to do. And so as much as you want to say, you know, this Florida State team is perhaps not very good. They're 104 in Kempom and around that same ranking in net. I really just, it's it's hard to overlook the Seminoles right now because you don't know what you're going to get from a Leonard Hamilton coach team right now. Yeah, I agree. Um, this team is is just weird, you know. Just looking at that, there's them statistically on paper, and then watching film on them, they're just kind of a weird, funky basketball team. I do think they have some talent. I like Darren Green Jr. I think he's he's a good guard. He's you know tied for the lead in scoring with them. Baba Miller has shown flashes. I remember that there was that whole saga with his suspension last year. He's not, he's now playing and has shown some flashes. But yeah, this is just a really bizarre team and. That game against Virginia Tech the other night, Florida State did emerge with the victory, but Virginia Tech also just collapsed in the second half of that game. You know, there was a stretch where Florida State went on a huge run. Virginia Tech could barely get the ball out of their own backcourt. A very weird game, but it also does, I think, speak to the difficulty of going into Tallahassee and winning. So this game is not going to be a pushover, I think, for Wake Forest. Any road game in the ACC has the potential to trip you up. So the key for Wake Forest in this one, I think, is just – you can't have a hangover from this Miami victory. You can't coast and rest on your laurels. You're three games into a gauntlet of a 20 game ACC schedule. So you got to play consistent. You have to, you know, you, you're Wake Forest is, I think a more talented team than Florida state. I don't think that's a question, but that, you know, talent purely in the ACC is not what wins you games. You know, they're going to, I think there's going to be some battle against this Florida State team. I think they have some ways they can score and can hurt you. On paper, in the ACC, Florida State is not ranked super highly in many of the major statistical categories. They rank incredibly low in, you know, defending three point line. They don't score a ton. They're on paper not a great defensive team. But at the same time, like you said, they've won a couple conference games and they beat Colorado and they're, you know, I think two and one in the ACC right now. They are. You know, that's, not easy to do if they were a bad team, you know, if they were a truly bad team, they'd probably be zero and three. Virginia tech is not a bad basketball team. That's a good win. And they found a way to do it. So I think this is just like 
this is also another game that I think will, you know, good good ACC teams win the games that you know against bad teams, and they they get up for the for the huge opponents. But can Wake Forest show up and be fully ready for kind of a funky, weird, outside the box test from Florida State? I think how they come out in this game will is you know a different kind of test for this team to respond from that huge, energizing win for their program and see you know, how they can respond in a road environment against, you know, maybe one of the less, you know, less glorified ACC teams. Absolutely. And I think partially this is a product product of Wake Forest past the, the dark times in Winston-Salem uh, back to, you know, the Jeff Bizdelic age and, and the Danny Manning age is that this is all kind of a new experience for, for Wake Forest. And I, I know they competed in the 2021-22 season to get to the NCAA tournament and came up just short. But every time this year something comes out comes up, it feels like it's a test. It feels like it's a prove it. Like in order for, for Wake Forest to achieve what is certainly on the table possible to achieve, they have to prove that they're able to do it. And each of these are tests. Going to Boston and winning, a test. Beating Miami in that type of game, a test going to beat a super weird team in Florida state in Tallahassee, another test. And so it is a test. Absolutely. I think it, I don't doubt that wake force is going to find a way to get up for this game because of their head coach, Steve Forbes. I, I think he won't, he simply won't allow for that to happen in my mind, just knowing his kind of operation, but we we've said funky a lot and, and I'm going to apologize ahead of time because we've used it a bunch and I'm sure I'm going to, use it a ton more. But the reason I use funky is some truly odd statistics in terms of the lineup. So Florida state has played 14 games in those 14 games, just six players have started. So that means in terms of the starting lineup, you have your normal five and throughout these 14 games, 14 games, only one player is subbed into that starting lineup. But 14 Seminoles have played in at least six games. So it's not just like a walk-on type scenario where like Wake Forest has had their walk-ons in a couple games. 14 Florida State players have been in at least six games and 12 are averaging at least 10 minutes per contest. According to Ken Palm, 40.5% of Florida State's minutes are coming off the bench. That is an insane number of minutes to get off the bench. I know Wake Forest is not even remotely close to that. Looking at it now, it's 24.1% of Wake Forest minutes are coming from the bench. So almost double of the minutes for Florida State are coming off the bench. Got some good players. You had mentioned Darren Green Jr., a guard. He's averaging 31 minutes and just over 12 and a half points per game. He's got a decent ability to shoot the ball from two, but I really profile him as a a three-point threat. He's hitting on 41% of his 91 attempts, and he he has that kind of three and D makeup. He's notched 19 steals, second best for Florida State. So he's got that three and D makeup as a guard. I think he's, from what I was seeing in the Virginia Tech game, I think he's got some really nice mobility on the court. He's slippery. And so I think he's going to be a serious threat for for Florida State. I really like uh, what Jameer Watkins brings to the table, a forward, 26 minutes, 12 and a half points again, 41% from the field. 
he leads the team in rebounding as kind of that that first forward. So kind of like the three, I, I would say, but it's really hard to to dictate with this Florida State roster. But 6.3 rebounds per game. He's a prolific ball distributor. So he's got a team high 42 assists, tops the leaderboard and steals for the team. But he also leads the team in turnovers with two and a half per game. So he's kind of got that all around. I mean, he's all over the, the stat board for Florida State. So he's one I'm really keeping an eye on. And, the, and then Baba Miller, you mentioned him, Ben. He's 6'11". He served a 16-game NCAA suspension to open last season. But this year, he started every game, 23 and a half minutes, just under eight points per game. And his field goal percentage for his height, he's 6'11", is pretty good. He's hitting 48% of his shots from the field. He's a three-point threat, too. He's hitting 31% of his threes, despite the height. Um the one interesting thing that I picked up on Ben and, and the whole like hack a shack thing. Um, Baba Miller is 41% from the charity stripe from the free throw line. So uh, I guess uh, on the scouting report here, if Wake Forest needs a guy to go to the line, uh, put Baba Miller there for sure. Yeah, this is, you know, those stats, those are great stats you just brought up. Another one I just saw was that, so they have, you mentioned that there's a bunch of guys averaging at least 10 minutes a game. You know, there are eight players on this Florida State team that get at least 10 minutes a game and average at least six and a half points a game, which like it's just a scoring breakdown that you really don't see other like elsewhere in the conference. You know, it's it's maybe I think there's two sides of the coin. I think it's indicative maybe of the fact that they don't necessarily have like a go to guy who's getting you 20 a night and can get you a bucket down the stretch. But on the other hand, that means you have a bunch of guys that are good for, you know, a shot, a made shot here and there and can come in and make a shot off the bench. And, you know, th- this this Florida State team is comprised very differently than Wake Forest. Like you said, Wake Forest has their seven, eight guys they lean very, very heavily on. Florida State, kind of everybody has a seat at the table, and a lot of guys are getting some burn. A lot of guys are, are game ready and have seen, seen meaningful minutes for them. And I think that, that really does add another unique element of preparation for this Florida State team for Steve Forbes. And it's I think it's one they'll have to address, you know, sort of in the buildup to this one. So there are three also players that I want to address because this bench is very deep for Florida State. Three guys that I want to address on the bench. The first is perhaps, even though he's a bench player, maybe one of the ones that you think of first, if you if you know the Seminoles, and that's guard Primo Spears. So he did not start the season. I think there were some injuries going on there, but he, he debuted on, on December 16th. And since then, he has proven to be a a very important part of the Florida State roster. He's averaging off the bench 24 minutes per game. He's not shooting very well from the field, 33%, but still scoring nearly 12 a game, which is the third best in scoring output on the team. Just watching him, again, that Virginia Tech tape, I think both of us watched that game pretty in-depth. He's a very strong guard. I think he he moves around the court well. He finds his, his, his spots. I would say, and so he's certainly one that I think is going to play a lot against Wake Forest. I think someone that they're certainly going to have to prepare for. And even though he's not shooting the ball well, I think he he's a player that you really have to know where he is at all times. Just whether he can get hot with his shot, his ball distribution, driving to the hoop, what have you. Primo Spears is one of their big time guys. Cam Corrin, a forward, he started the first five games of the season, but has been coming off the bench since. Uh, missed a few games with injuries, but averaging 18.7 minutes per game, shooting 60% from the field for nine points. And, and he's another good offensive rebounder. Um, 
what really, I mean, fourth best on the team in offensive rebounds with 17, despite missing a, a fair amount of games. So that's just a testament to his ability to get boards. And then the last guy I'll talk about on the bench is, is Chandler Jackson, another guard. He's averaging 15 and a half minutes, five points per game. He, he's 40% from the field, 28% from three, and he's a really good ball distributor. I mean, you're going to be seeing a lot of guys, a lot of fresh substitutions for Florida State off the bench to, to keep that team moving. They're, they're a team that can move. They're a team that can move the ball, some good ball distributors, and some good shooters. I don't think they're a very, very good shooting team at, as a as a cohesive unit, but you've got some guys on there who, who can shoot the ball without a doubt. With that in mind, Ben, let's go ahead and just look at the game as a whole and start talking about keys to the game. I think this is going to be a tough one for Wake Forest to win just because of, you know, every road kill is a tough, a tough game. Like going on the road in the ACC, I think it's hard. And so I don't think Wake, I don't foresee Wake Forest going into Tallahassee and blowing the, the doors down. Granted, I didn't see that come against Virginia Tech and it happened, but that's not what I foresee against, against Florida State. But in order for Wake Forest to win, what do we think has got to happen in Tallahassee Tuesday night? Yeah, my, you know, my my first key is something that I alluded to earlier. It's just like avoid the hangover, you know, just unfortunately, you know, in, in this league, in this conference, you have to wipe the slate clean after every single game, win or lose. You know, you're obviously more eager to do that when you lose games. But, you know, Saturday's win against Miami is a, a huge win for this team, for this program. It sort of signifies the potential of this Wake Forest team. But Steve Forbes talked about it after the game. He's like, you just got to keep stacking wins and see what happens. So. For Wake Forest, yeah, the, the first key for me is just avoid the hangover, wipe the slate clean. There's a different recipe for victory in this game than there was against Miami, and then you've got 16 more after that. So, you know, um, don't go in there and expect, like like you said, I don't think Wake's going to blow the doors down against Florida State either. I think this Florida State team is a, a little bit better than some of their, it's a weird, like, low floor, high ceiling type of team. So I think it, all, it also depends on which Florida State team you get. You know, is this a Florida State team that's going to be making a lot of shots? Are they having a bunch of different guys, can, you know, contributing? Or are they going to be ice cold? You just you just don't really know. So you got to be prepared for anything and just avoid the Miami Hurricanes hangover. Yeah, I agree with that. One of the things I wrote about in my – to kick off the keys to the game over on Blogger Show Deer, it's not one of the keys to the game, but something I, I talked about, I think, after Virginia Tech is the never too high, never too low. I, it's something I asked Steve Forbes about after the Virginia Tech – Virginia Tech game and his kind of response was that his team team's motives the team's resolve their their uh, mentality remains the same regardless of outcome and so being three and0 in the ACC winning nine games in a row doesn't change a whole lot and so I don't think as much as I say never too high never too low I I, I don't foresee that impacting Wake Forest as the season moves on and especially on Tuesday. The first one, after watching that Virginia Tech film that from Florida State, their past game against the Hokies, is get the ball moving on offense. Florida State's size is unbelievable. This is a statistic that I forgot to mention earlier, but their average height is over 79 inches. They have the number one average height in the land. They are an incredibly tall basketball team. And so that's all fine and good. You can get the ball into the paint. You can protect the hoop things like that, but it also can hurt you in, in, in other portions of the game. And I think the biggest one is when a team gets the ball moving on offense, gets the defenders moving around, 
starts running a, a motion offense of sorts, it gets Florida State on their back foot because with that type of height, you're seldom a- able to keep up with speed. And so if Wake Forest, and it's kind of already ingrained into their molding as a team, their kind of game plan is it's a team that moves the ball a lot on offense. And so if Wake Forest can continue to emphasize that and, and get the ball moving around, especially around the point or around the, the arc, get the ball moving there, utilize their picks, I think it's going to benefit Wake Forest a lot. I think it'll also, I mean, it's allowing a lot of teams, Virginia Tech was able to do it, it is drive inside, get the ball moving from there, and then kick the ball out for threes. I think that's going to be available for Wake. And then also that ball movement and some speed is going to create some opportunities at the hoop if you can get some of the tall guys like Baba Miller, Baba Miller out from under the hoop. As I said, Wake's a really good offense. I think they share the ball a lot. But sometimes the the ball can die in one player's hands for certain possessions where maybe not for an entire possession, but sometimes there's a little bit of eating of the clock and ensuring that that doesn't happen all too often, I think is only going to benefit the Deeks. On the other side of the court, I think physicality is going to be a huge part of this game because of Florida State's size. You've got guys like Baba Miller. You've got some other players on the bench who are incredibly tall. I mean, Taylor Bull Bowen, he's a freshman who's playing 11 minutes per game. He's really big. Jalen Ganey's really big. Uh, a couple other forwards. I talked about Cam Corrin. The, the list goes on and on. That Florida State has got some serious size. And so I think that that's especially going to be important when Wake Forest is on the defensive side of the court and making sure that they're shoring up the paint and not allowing those offensive rebounds, not allowing easy tip-ins, not allowing second-chance points. Those, I think, uh, limiting extra possessions is something that I always talk about, limiting those second chance points, I think, are really big. And I think it all starts, of course, with Efton Reed, you know, leading that charge in the paint. But Andrew Carr and Zach Keller have also both gotten significantly more aggressive on defense. And so finding ways to match up against Baba Miller and some of those other guys with physicality in mind and not allowing them to be bullies when they're on offense could severely dampen a Florida State offense that already struggles to score. If you can take another attack point out of the Florida State offense, then I think they're going to get the ball and really struggle to figure out what to do. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. Um, I think yeah, this is I, this Florida State team. You know, we've been saying it all sort of the, the whole show here. It just presents a unique challenge, and I think. You know, Miami is not the tallest team in the league. That is one thing that they don't really have going for them as much. They're not as tall across the board. This Florida, this Florida State team, like you just said, is, you know, sky high. So, the you know, Wake Forest is going to have to, you know, utilize that that size and their, and their big men are going to have to come to play. So, you know, I'm going to – something I'm looking for is for Andrew Carr to have a little bit better of a game against Florida State than he has the past couple of games. You know, he's just been – it's been a little quiet. You know, it didn't play – wasn't bad against Miami three of six from the field for seven points. You know, it wasn't inefficient or anything like that, but I need him to leave a bigger stamp on this Florida state game than he did against Boston college. Obviously at that huge three, I need him to leave a little bit bigger of a stamp. I need him to be looking for his shot more. I thought there were a couple of times against Miami where he had the chance to rise up and take that in rhythm three, but he would pump fake and get it to the next guy. I need him to be taking those shots. I need him to be looking to get to the line, to get in the paint and to be a big presence on both the offensive and defensive glass. I think this is a great game for him to, you know, be that presence inside, sort of, you know, get back to that physicality that he really excelled with early in the season. I think this could be a big spot for Andrew Carr. I could not agree with you more on that point, Ben. I think Miami 
was, I mean, the past few games have been tough for Andrew Carr, without a doubt. And I think Miami presented a specific challenge for him because of instead of being large in stature and in size, Miami was a much smaller team in height. And so it, it presented some challenges for Andrew Carr against a team like Florida State. It is exact. It is right in front of you what his his role is going to be in this game. There, he's going to be called upon both on offense and on defense to provide for Wake Forest. And there's a lot of talent on on that Wake Forest offense. There's a lot of mouths to feed. And so sometimes I can kind of understand where a guy like Andrew Carr can can fall into the background a little bit for a Wake Forest team. But in a game like this, the way I foresee this game going and the size that Florida State has, I think you're, you're completely right, Ben. I think Andrew Carr is, is going to have to be a focal point, both on defense and on offense, just to compete with that size that Florida State does have. In terms of size, I've got one final key to the game, and, and it relates a little bit to Miami. Stay out of foul trouble. I mean, I've I've said what I've said about the the refereeing in the the Miami game. I'll let that one go. But again, I I think just it's the nature of of basketball as a sport is when you are away from home, you're not necessarily getting the same calls that you might get in your home gym. And so Wake Forest, you saw it a little bit at, at, up in Chestnut Hill against Boston College. You might get some calls against you, and. Wake Forest might have to deal with similar foul trouble to what they they were handling against Miami. And so at times, I think Wake Forest has not necessarily struggled, but it's put pressure on them to manage those fouls. Like looking especially at Efton Reed. When Efton Reed, a player as important as he is to Wake Forest, gets in foul trouble, there's an impact there. No matter how much Zach Keller has improved and how, I think, reliable his he has become there. It's Efton Reed. Like if you lose Efton Reed, that's a big problem. And so making sure to stay out of foul trouble, especially with Efton, especially an impact player like Hunter Salas, Cam Hildreth, Boopy Miller, gotten to foul trouble up in Boston, like making sure that you don't let an away environment and possibly some physical basketball, what I was talking about earlier with Florida State size, get the better of you and get you into foul trouble. And then you have to take a lot of minutes on the bench. That that could be a game-changing reality for Wake Forest is if you do get into foul trouble and Efton has to sit for a long time or someone else has to sit for a long time. And so manage the foul trouble, I think, is, is going to be a critical part of this game. It's game time almost, Ben. We're recording this on Sunday night. Y'all will be hearing it on Monday morning. And then Tuesday night, 7 p.m. in Tallahassee, Wake Forest versus Florida State on the ACC Network. Wake Forest trying to go... 4-0 in the ACC for the first time, I believe, since the 2004-2005 basketball season. So it is nearly 20 years since Wake Forest has opened up the ACC 4-0. A lot on the table, Ben. And I'll let you kick us off with predictions. Yeah, so, you know, we've tough game to predict. I think it's a little bit of a wild card matchup for Wake Forest. Again, I don't think they're necessarily going to come in and, and you know, blow the doors off this Florida State team. I think any road test is a tough one. You saw that with Boston College. I, th- I do like Wake Forest to be consistent enough and to show up enough to get this job done and for it to be somewhat comfortable. You know, it's not going to be a blowout or anything, but I like I like Wake by 10. I'm going to go 82-72 Wake Forest. I like that. I agree with that a lot. I think... I think right now Wake Forest just a, appears to be to marching almost to a different beat these days. Like they are just seemingly a team on a mission. 
I think even when they're not at their best, we've talked about it before. Wake Forest just keeps finding ways to win basketball games, ways to beat Boston College, ways to beat Miami. Like the way they're doing that, I think is just incredibly impressive. I think it's a testament to the players, to the coaching staff, to Steve Forbes, to the team culture. You can go on and on. And so I think even though on the road, every game on the road, no matter who you play, is going to be a tough basketball game. Even if things get tough in Tallahassee, it's really, really hard for me to pick against Wake Forest's ability to figure their way out of the trouble. Between one of the best offenses in the ACC, a vastly improved defense, a rebounding game that is becoming more and more refined as the season goes on, the resilience, which we've talked about, and the maturity of this Wake Forest basketball team, I have to go with the Deeks to move 4-0 in conference play for the first time in nearly two decades and 10 straight wins. I'm going to go again, as you said, 10, I believe, Ben. I'm going to go with 11 Wake Forest wins, 78-67 in Tallahassee Tuesday night. For now, that'll be all from us out on the Boots on the Ground pod. We, of course, will have reactions from the Florida State game afterwards, and we will get you prepped for when Wake Forest returns to the Joel next weekend for a Virginia team that we use the word funky, Ben. They are a team in limbo right now. So after Florida State, we'll get you ready for Virginia next weekend at the Joel. Thank you all for joining us on the Boots on the Ground pod alongside Ben Conroy. I've been Essex there. Thanks. You know, when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks, That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.